Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMP Louisville, broadcasting to you from downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM. We also live stream anywhere you are in the world. You can find us at forwardradio.org. You can also find archive versions of our program. So if you love what you're hearing, you want to share it with somebody else or listen again, you can go to forwardradio.org and find it there. It's also the place you can find out ways to become involved in this community station. We are radio for the people, by the people. And yes, you could be some of the people behind these microphones or behind the scenes volunteering to help keep the station running. Uh, and we also rely entirely on your contributions. Our sixth birthday is coming up in April. Maybe now's the time to give us a little early birthday present at forwardradio.org. You can chip in whatever you can to help keep us on the air. It only costs $20 a day for this amazing community treasure. So it's totally affordable as a community if we pull together. All right, what we do here on Sustainability Now each week is we bring in folks from around the community who are doing work in sustainability to learn about them and what they do. Uh, and I'm really excited to finally be sitting down with my office neighbor. I mean, I see him every day. Like, do I really need to bring him on the radio? Yes, he's got lots to share with you all. It's time to not be hiding that light under the bushel. Let's bring into the studio Brent Fryer. Welcome, Brent. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. <laughs> Brent, Glad to find the right place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brent is the director of the Partnership for a Green City, which we're going to talk all about today. Uh, you can learn more at partnershipforgreencity.org. He's also now a professor of sustainability at the University of Louisville, and he is chair of our UofL Sustainability Council's Planning and Administration Committee. So yes, I work very intimately with Brent on a lot of things, but let's start off talking about the Partnership for Green City, in case our listeners aren't familiar. Every time I look at that founding date, I'm amazed. 2004. Holy cow. 2004 <laughs> was when Russ Barnett, Al Dittmer, and David Wicks uh, got together and Al actually had a $50,000 grant with the College oh. of Education, and they were trying to figure out what to spend it on. Oh, nice. And so they talked to Gordon Gardner and figured that they might do something with environmental management, environmental education, and environmental health. Okay. And they pulled the three leaders of the city, the university, and the school district together, and the Partnership for a Green City was born. Wow. August of 2004, so next wow. year, 20 years. Oh, right. A 20th anniversary is coming up. Are there plans? <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> awesome. That's exciting. So the partnership has has grown, right? It's not just those three institutions anymore. It has grown. Uh, I guess it was 2010. We were doing our first strategic plan. And so six years in, we're trying to get strategic about it. And I get a call from, it was Pamela Doom at the time, Pamela Turner now. And she says, why weren't we invited? And I said, well, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> so at this point, she really wanted in. And I said, we're doing our strategic planning. Us finish that. And, and Pamela is from JCTC. Jefferson Community and Technical College. And what's her role there? She is the Assistant Vice President of Facilities, Operations, Business Affairs. Yeah, I met Pamela, and she has a definite passion for sustainability, so it's no wonder she would want to be at the table, right? Definitely, and you know, they've got 15,000 students at JCTC that just feed into UofL. They feed into the other schools. They feed from JCPS, so right. it makes a really nice pipeline. Yeah. And if you can get ed environmental education across all three of those entities— you know, you're making it much better for the city of Louisville. 
education has been an obvious key part of the partnership, but it's also about our own operations too, right? How we can collaborate to reduce our footprint, right? Definitely. The key was if you had three and now four large entities that all take public money, right? how can we be the best stewards of the public's tax dollars? Right. You know, at JCTC and UofL, students pay tuition and not only tax funds, you know, grant money comes in. So how are we efficient with that, and how can we collaboratively work together on operations, on transportation, on the urban heat island mm-hmm. effect, just the different issues that are germane to the city of Louisville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the four biggest public institutions in the city. So the thinking, I think, all along has been, boy, if we can even make a small seeming change in the, at that scale, it can have massive implications for the, for the whole city, right? We touch so many lives. Definitely. I can give you an example of that. A lot of people don't think about purchasing as being one of the big issues, but we purchase together. And not only do the four partners purchase together, but MSD, the water company, the Louisville Regional Airport Authority, and TARC all join together for purchasing. So they're quasi-governmentals with boards appointed by the mayor. We purchase 30% post-consumer recycled content paper together. Mm. And we save approximately $920,000 a year on a joint paper contract. That more than pays for my salary. (laughs) (laughs) Just paper alone. Wow. Yeah, when you think about those uh, efficiencies of scale, it really is astounding. Well, and it's almost a, a peer process, too, where if one peer is doing it, another peer doesn't want to miss out on it. Right, right. So <laughs> as we were energy, entering into energy savings performance contracts in the late 2007, 2008, 2009, none of the players wanted to be out so as U of L started doing something, the city jumped in with somebody else and started doing something, and then JCPS was in there doing yeah, something else, and yeah. all saving money energy wise. Yeah, piggybacking, right? <laughs> Definitely piggybacking. <laughs> no, that's great. And there are others who are interested in getting in in the partnership, right? Now you're having some conversations with Bellarmine, for instance. We are in discussions with several different, both smaller cities as well as possibilities of other higher education institutions. The ones that we have been floated at this point would be the Archdiocese Schools, Spalding, Mm. Bellarmine, Simmons. Mm. And then if you look at what some of the larger small cities in the Louisville area, J-Town, St. Matthews, Linden, Middletown, they have enough of a tax base that they could work with us together, join in this joint purchasing uh, opportunity, join in with what we're doing in energy, the urban heat island effect, education, and end up really making a difference, not only for the city, but they can also go out to their clients, their, client, their, their, their commercial yeah. facilities and help them you know, have that economy of scale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny when you think about some of these embedded small cities and, and districts. Like, you just cross a road and suddenly there's no curbside recycling, for instance, right? <laughs> Correct. Well, and that's the thing. We recycle together, too. We're all on one recycling contract that does single yeah, stream recycling. Yeah, which has been great. It's been a great contract. Or commercial uh, wet-dry. We are all on one dumpster contract for waste disposal. Mm-hmm. And the economy of scale there is just wild with, you know, what we can do saving money by removing stuff from the landfill 
and then also recycling and getting things back into the uh, post-consumer stream. And the deficiency of only having one service provider for your city, right? Like that's you don't need a bunch of different trucks coming to pick up the, from the same block, right? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many ways that this really can benefit us and move us forward more quickly. Um, the mission of the Partnership for Green City is to inspire and promote a sustainable city through action, leadership, innovation, and measurable progress. I bet you've seen quite a bit of progress since 2004, right? Oh, we've seen a whole lot of progress. <laughs> In 2004, when things were starting out, it really was starting out as a top-down Yeah, with yeah. the three leaders. And they were trying to make a difference. It was Mayor Abramson at the time. It was President Ramsey at the time. And then it was Sheldon Berman was the superintendent. And the three of them liked to push each other's buttons <laughs> as well as you know, making things happen yeah. for their organizations. Yeah. And, and we didn't have back then things like the Louisville Sustainability Council, right? No. Like these have all evolved since that time. Actually, the Louisville Sustainability Council was a place that we had a seat at the table after the Bingham Fellows of 2010. Yeah. Yeah. When you were one of the Bingham Fellows yeah. and you all were, study, were studying sustainability and they brought some people together based on your all's recommendations and the partnership has a, a seat at the table that's awesome. And on the board at the Louisville Sustainability Council. Yeah. Boy, when I did that way back in 2010, I was brand new to Louisville, right? <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. It was like, is this really worth my time? Uh, you know, is, is anything going to come of this? That was the question in our minds. And here we are with so much later with Louisville Sustainability Council just celebrating, I think it's 10th anniversary, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. What's funny because as somebody who's been around in sustainability here for a while, and my history was in environmental compliance and the regulatory right, compliance right. side of things, hazardous waste, uh, emergency response for chemical accidents all over the southeast United States. Wow. I love sustainability so much more because we've got the opportunity to be innovative and creative and think of different ways where everything isn't prescribed for you by regulation. You, know, you have to meet this yeah. standard or you have to fill out this manifest yeah. and you have to do it this way. <laughs> so I just love that. And really, especially since you've been here, it's been nice to see the mark that you and well, so you. many others have left. And it's an enduring mark and an enduring legacy in the city. Yeah. I mean, what's neat to, to reflect on since 2004, all the change in leadership at all these institutions over the years. And yet here we are still going, right? I won't tell my own horn, but one of the things <laughs> that they probably didn't realize when they hired me is that they were hiring somebody that was not averse to change. Yeah. <laughs> I embrace it. I move forward. I've been through a number of university presidents. I'm on my third mayor. Yeah. You know, yeah. two at JCTC, the superintendents, there's been three or four through there. So I don't freak out <laughs> when things happen. We just bring the new people into the fold. Yeah. Well, a good thing. And speaking of new things going on, we have new Metro leadership right now and some restructuring in the way they address sustainability, right? What's going on? They have moved the Office of Sustainability out of the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability, which was somewhat unique that advanced planning and sustainability work together. But right. sustainability is also a great standalone. Mm. Uh, Mayor Greenberg had talked about being green and making the city green as part of his campaign promises. Yeah. And so we have not been able to sit down and talk with him mm. yet, but I anticipate that that will be soon. Mm. And I've met Barbara Sexton Smith through a number of different green events that I've been on when she was the council person down at the Brown School and then different things 
up and down Frankfurt Avenue where she was. And, and the Office of Sustainability is now going to report to her, right? It will report directly to her in the mayor's office okay. is the way I understand it. Okay. And we have a new director of the Sustainability Office. Well, she's not new to Metro, but that's a new position for her, right? You want to talk about her? Sameda is new to the position. She has been working in the office for a couple or three years. Uh, very, very smart. Very, yeah. very uh, motivated. Yeah. Moves things along uh, she has been the chair of their green team here for the last couple of years. And I think that Louisville's in a good spot yeah. with her and having sustainability in her hands. Well, one thing I really respect about her, too, is she's very data driven. Uh, she really cares about monitoring and not just greenwashing, right? Well, definitely. And that's been an issue, you know, with a lot of the partners at different times is they want to see results. Yeah. But they don't know how to, to quantify yeah. the results. <laughs> yeah. And so they end up trying to say how we're doing something. But you know, if you're looking at leaders, leaders want to see how much money it's going to save. Yeah. Other people are going to be interested in the kilowatt hours that are reduced or right. the carbon offsets that you've created by changing your energy mm -hmm. use or decreasing your transportation. Right. And so, you know, you can ask for change, but having the data to back it up just really makes it so much yeah. easier to sell. Yeah. And uh, that, that makes me think, you know, one of the challenges here of working in partnership with these different kinds of entities is we all kind of measure sustainability in a different way. Uh, and, and one of the things you've been studying in, in grad school is the way that universities measure it, right? I do study that. I'm working on a dissertation proposal, trying to finalize it to study how two different small liberal arts colleges deal with sustainability and what does certification or rating yeah. uh, having a rating make mean to them yeah and um the two that i'm working with one has maintained the rating for five terms and the other one has gotten gold ratings twice and let them expire twice yeah so what's the difference because sustainability is obviously going well at the university yeah and it's a major focus of the university but the rating is not so what's different well, yeah yeah what's different and are we comparing apples and oranges and i love the little sense of competition that these ratings can instill and and make university leaders or, or mayors or whoever want to sort of like oh we got to do better right we got to keep up with the joneses <laughs> peer pressure peer in pressure. its purest form <laughs> yeah yeah it really does work uh, my guest today here on sustainability now is brent fryer i know him very well his office is right next to mine at the University of Louisville, where he's a professor of sustainability. Uh, but he's just kind of housed at UofL because he's the director of the Partnership for a Green City, which is a collaboration between the four biggest public institutions in town. You can learn more about it at partnershipforagreencity.org. He's also an active member and chair of a committee on our UofL Sustainability Council. So he has his fingers in a lot of pies all over the city. <laughs> he's also an exhausted dad right now. So, yes. I mean, I, I don't know how you do it, Brent. <laughs> You just put one foot in front of the other and move. I know. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> it's a new day. There's new good work to be done. All right. So we were talking about new things that are happening. We have new mayor's administration, new restructuring there. But we also have new leadership at UofL. Yes, we do. Brand new President Kim Schatzel. Have you had any chance to interact with her yet? I have not had any chance to interact with her. I'm expecting to meet her on March 24th at the Sustainability Council's uh, 15th anniversary event. Thank you for that. 
mentioning that. That's a great thing to let people know about. Uh, I haven't even mentioned it on the show yet. Uh, of course, it will be in the community calendar. I always do at the end of the show coming up. But yeah, on March 24th, the public is invited to our 15th anniversary celebration of the University of Louisville's Sustainability Council. It's kind of funny that this, there's this citywide organization that has the exact same name, but <laughs> we were here first <laughs> since 2008. And uh, we've been doing so many things in sustainability at UofL. The new president, Kim Schatzel, will be there giving some welcoming remarks. And we're going to be honoring some of the many wonderful people, some of the names you've already heard mentioned on this show at that event uh, with some awards for their work over the years. And that will be from 3 to 5 p.m. in Ekstrom Library up on the third floor in the Delphi Center's Till. So the public is totally invited to that. And it immediately follows an engaged scholarship symposium put on by our Office of Community Engagement, which is also open to the public as well. And that's a, an event from 9 to 2 with uh, wonderful uh, sessions on how the university engages the broader community, not just in sustainability, but in all kinds of ways, right? Uh, it's really fun to work at a university that cares so much about being engaged. Well, And that's one of the things that really gives me hope about Dr. Schatzel. Hmm. Coming from Towson, she is in with the Coalition for the Urban and Metropolitan Universities. Yeah, was she is into being community engaged, yeah. being an anchor institution. Right. And so sustainability has been one of her passions up there, apparently. And then our provost, uh, Lori Gonzalez, also has a big background in sustainability. Yes. So having sustainability in the top two offices at UofL yeah. uh, will not be a bad thing yeah. for the university. Well, and Brent, I am looking so forward to having a, a boss is the wrong word. The, the person who I direct report to uh, be a stable individual and not an interim person. Uh, I have been dealing with interim leadership since 2017. Oh. <laughs> As the assistant to the provost, well, the provost keeps changing and not being really invested because they, they're, they're always got their foot out the door. Lori's going to be returning. She was interim president soon after she got to UofL, so I haven't really had much face time with her either. I think both of them are going to bring a stability that the yeah. university has sought yeah. for the last few years. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, one of the things that you have been, oh, you poured your heart and soul into, we worked on it for about a year and a half, is a brand new, first time ever UofL sustainability plan. You want to talk a little bit about what that looks like? It's an interesting plan that actually looks at sustainability in conjunction with the Climate Action Plan and a zero waste plan. And how does everything integrate together, you know, how can we work on things with measurable outcomes across energy use or you know purchasing at U of L? Just how does everything fit together, yeah. all the puzzle pieces yeah. across sustainability and get it out to the university, get it out mm -hmm. to the students, you know, have everybody singing from that same hymnal yeah. about you know, the sustainability chorus. And it's it's complicated and we know not everybody dives into the weeds on this stuff. So in a way, titles of things really matter. And you came up with such a brilliant title for this plan. I hadn't even thought of it. You want to share what that is? Pathway to Platinum. What does that mean? That means that UofL is an Association for the Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Education, ASHI, yeah. uh, Gold Star University. Right. We've been a Gold Star University for... Oh, yeah. When did we get our first gold rating? Huh. That's a good question. Probably At like... least three terms. This yeah. is a third. Oh, yeah. At least. But platinum is the ultimate. Right. If, if you've got the Olympic rings or bronze, yeah. silver, and gold, <laughs> you know, ASHI's taken it one step farther. And yeah. if you're really, really hot, 
you know, you can get that platinum star. And there are, what, like a dozen schools or something like that that are now platinum? A dozen of them. Two of them are Canadian, and yeah. ten of them are in the United States. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the sort of bar we want to set for the university. Not that we're going to be platinum tomorrow or anything like that, but that we need to develop a pathway to get towards that. It's basically a strategic plan yeah. to achieve the next level. Yeah. And there are schools that have achieved levels and then fall back a level. You do not want to get to platinum and then fall back to gold. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. And the only reason we are gold rated and the top university in Kentucky for sustainability by all measures is because Brent and I go crazy trying to do everything. <laughs> right? We really try and touch on all of the possible credits in sustainability, right? The different ways uh, that you can measure progress in sustainability and beyond, right? We do things that don't even fall in the STARS framework that I think are really important or that, you know, take one credit way above and beyond what's the basic requirement, right? Um, and some days I think that's insane and we should just focus, damn it, on something. Uh, but other days I feel like this is good. This is true to what sustainability really demands of us. It's not just one thing, right? It's not just one thing. And I want to give a quick shout out to Karen Blake for putting oh, together yeah. the graphical representations. If somebody doesn't want to read the text, yes, you can, you can those still pages. go to the different sections under planning and administration operations, yep. education engagement. and research and engagement. Yeah. And all of the different credits are there right. where we are on points but it's a much easier digestible right? oh yeah much more digestible <laughs> format and thanks to karen blake for thank that. you karen yeah she's got a way with that and any, anybody who wants to check out our our pathway to platinum you can find it at louisville.edu slash sustainability and i know you also use these kinds of things about strategic plans about rating systems when you teach about sustainability, right? You, this is kind of a new area for you to be actually teaching sustainability 101 and more, right? Actually, it's been a lot of fun. I, didn't, <laughs> I wish I'd known 20 years ago I'd enjoyed teaching as much as I had enjoyed it. But uh, I ended up getting asked by Dr. DeCaro to cover his 202 behavioral that dimensions behavioral of sustainable, dimensions, yeah. sustainability hmm. when he had a grant. And so he was bought out of his teaching that semester. And so he asked if I would fill in and take his course. And so I took the course and taught it. And I had a whole lot of fun. Then when Dr. Simpson left and nobody was there to teach sustainability 101, uh, yeah. they said, come on, would you take this? And I said, well, sure, I'll take that. And so now you get the students who are coming in, and Sustainability 101 is a course that is a socio-behavioral course. It counts as a general education credit for students who are not sustainability majors, but it also counts as a credit if you are a sustainability major. Yeah. So it fits into that framework as well. But like this semester, I've got 22 students. I've got two freshmen in the whole class. I've got really? one sustainability major in the whole class. I've got the mostly upperclassmen who are huh. trying to take a class that they're interested in to get out. Wow. And they're all passionate. They've got different passions That's coming so cool. from nursing or public health or engineering or business school. And they all fit, right? And There's a place for you. It's fit. <laughs> I, I've even got one student that came here from Barcelona when school started and is a visiting student. And he's in Sustainability 101. Oh, wow. And now you have an amazing TA, right? You want to talk about Robin Frederick, who used to be our station manager here at Ford Radio? I've got the best TA in the world. Uh, <laughs> We were on an education and research meeting online, yeah. Teams meeting, and they asked us to introduce ourselves. Yeah. And I told them I was teaching, and if any of the master students wanted to go ahead and teach, you know, one day, 
Right. And so Robin approached me after the meeting and said, I want a TA for the whole thing. <laughs> I've got some ideas about how some of these She's things could lady. work. She also is working with Aishi and doing a lot of the different monitoring on how they get points yeah. and how other schools are doing things. And so she wanted to work with me on this class. And she has just been a godsend to, yeah. to get things done. And she's been great to the students, but she's brought a new perspective. She's uh, closer in age to the students than right, I am, right. which, <laughs> which makes a big difference, too. Yeah, but does. she also is very, very current, having just completed her undergraduate degree with how she would have liked to have been treated as an undergraduate student. Yeah. So, you know, I value that a whole lot. She just presented at our at our sustainability roundtable this past week. What was the wonderful title of her? Oh, uh, exams are for the dogs, <laughs> right? That's the truth. Uh, we got rid of the final exam for the class. That's and nuts. We are doing a student project where they have to figure out. She's given them the framework. She's given them everything that they need. Yeah. And it's group presentations. And so it's just, it's a place that students have not necessarily figured out yet. Because even the upperclassmen are a little bit fearful of a presentation instead of really? an exam, but they didn't want the exam. <laughs> they know what they don't want, and they're not sure what they want yet. <laughs> so it's just it's a matter of getting them to the point that they yeah. can stand up in front of everybody and make you know, the presentation to the class. Well, we'll talk about real-world skills. I mean, do we want people to graduate who can write a great essay real quick in, in response to a question? I mean, that, when's that going to happen in real life, right? <laughs> well, and that's, that's part of the key. We did student perspectives last week where they had to pick one of the topics that we're going to discuss, and they could take a different direction. I mean, one of them, one of the students did shark finning. We had another student that did yeah. uh, the battery-powered scooters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he blew my mind because he said that the average lifespan of that, according to Forbes magazine, is only 29 days for one of those scooters <laughs> oh that sits out on the corner, <laughs> which to me is just the ultimate... Disposable society. Well, yeah. a disposable society on something that's trying to be sustainable. Right. Claims it's all green. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. But the students were excellent on those five-minute presentations. So when you give them a little bit more and give them some more meat to yeah. chew on, yeah. I think they're going to do fantastic by the end. How do you avoid the deer-in-the-headlights effect of overwhelming students? Not just with, like the dangers and the urgency of the climate crisis and things like that. Like, it could be really depressing to talk too much about that. But also, the overwhelming nature of our response needs to be all-encompassing. We need to put our hands around so many different things and tackle so many challenges if we're going to get to a more sustainable place. I just wonder how you, how you keep them from being overwhelmed. Actually, the students, some of them bring a lot of negativity oh, to the class themselves. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. sometimes it's me trying to balance that. <laughs> but my big thing with the students is I look at what leadership we have today in different places. And then I look at the passion that they've got and yeah. the interest that they've got. And I can equate a sustainability 101 class to a master's level class because the students are that passionate. They want to discuss it. They've got ideas. Yeah. The future leadership is out there, mm. and I do not worry mm. about what happens after these students start moving up and into leadership roles at different places. Wow. I think that they are that good and they are that interested, whether they're a sports admin major or whether uh -huh. they're a sustainability major, because of what they're doing. If you can combine sports admin and sustainability yeah. or business and sustainability— I've got one student that's double majoring in economics and sustainability. Nice. And it's just like— 
you know, oh, wow, <laughs> I want you to work really, really hard. But I, I think the future is bright for sustainability with these kids. Wow. Is there something about their generation that makes them more open to these kinds of ideas or ways of thinking, do you think? The kids that we're seeing now that are freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors have been through sustainability since kindergarten. Really? They've seen it you know, in the school districts. They've seen paper recycling. They've seen aluminum can recycling. They've seen newspaper recycling. They've seen things go from paper to where they're so comfortable with yeah. electronics. Yeah. And they will tell you very quickly that you do not waste the electronics and throw them in the garbage, that you put them into electronics recycling. Yeah. We do the story of stuff in class. And, of course, that looks at the linear economy versus the, the circular economy. And the students were just flabbergasted that people throw away stuff after six months and that they don't recycle mm. some things. And we discussed that a whole lot. And it's up to them to make a difference. And one of the questions that I like to ask on exams and quizzes is, if you were in charge, what would you do? Yeah. How would you face yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. My guest today here on Sustainability Now is Brent Fryer. He is the director of the Partnership for a Green City. You can learn more about it at partnershipforagreencity.org. But also, as you hear, he's also a professor of sustainability at the University of Louisville and chair of our Sustainability Council's Planning and Administration Committee. It is so great to take this time today to sit down with him and reflect on some of the things he's learned in doing this work since 2004 when the partnership first founded. Uh, one of the neat new initiatives that's going on through the partnership is a, a dual credit program in sustainability. You want to tell folks about that? Sustainability 101 has been something that UofL has been teaching for probably, well, 2017 was when the degree program started. Yeah. It started at 2014 at Jefferson Community and Technical College with Carolyn Reisner, started the a, the associate's degree, but she had a Sustainability 101 there. And when she worked with David Simpson, they made sure that there was alignment in the curriculum uh -huh. between the two schools. Well, it was logical at some point to bring JCPS into the mix, and I found the perfect teacher that was really, really interested and intrigued in moving things along. And so Lauren Neiman at Fern Creek High School had asked, you know, if you ever want to do dual credit, let's do the dual awesome. credit. Mary Bryden Miller at UofL was also working on trying to get the credits into the schools. So we worked with the offices at UofL and the offices at JCPS, and now Lauren Neiman is teaching the same class that I teach at UofL to seniors at Fern Creek High School. Wow. Mind you, Fern Creek High School has students from 53 countries that speak 47 different languages. Whoa. And so she has to meet these students where they are, but she's got them eating out of the palm of her hand, and she's got <laughs> the same passion with these kids that I've got and the college students. But they take the course over an entire year. I see. And then they end up coming to UofL or JCTC or Spalding, Bellarmine. With those credits in hand with already. three credits wow. in hand for Sustainability 101. Wow. They will work as a general ed requirement if they don't end up being a sustainability major or uh -huh. you know, it's their first sustainability class if they are. Yeah. You mentioned that pipeline earlier. That, that really sums it up right there. Well, it, <laughs> when the pipeline started, this was a missing link. Yeah. Because we used to have Darlene Horton had started the uh, environmental magnet program at Cane Run Elementary. And we used to have one at Portland oh, right. Elementary. Yeah as well. And that's kind of fallen by the wayside. Really? That's a shame. It's just at different times, different administrations, yeah. they change focus. And, you know, student achievement has been a focus for such a long time. Yeah. 
And I don't know that all educators understand how sustainability or how an outdoor classroom or how learning about nature and ecology, how that can promote so many different areas because mm. they don't think of it in the traditional sense. Mm. You know, it's not one of the areas on the test. So right. it just works when you're in high school to get the students moving along that continuum. And if they can get the college credit for it, it's yeah. all the better. Why not? That's fantastic. What else is going on in JCPS right now that you would love to shout out? This dual credit program is amazing. I mean, you could talk a little bit more about what's happening specifically at Fern Creek. I know it's really inspiring, but any any other stories from JCPS that are worth sharing? JCPS has some real interesting things in the mix right now. Uh, they're working on NOMO zones at four different schools. Oh, are they really? And so they're trying to get these large areas of land reclaimed to where they can plant them with native grasses or native things that don't need to be managed. And not have to pay and burn the gas to mow them all the time. Yeah. And then for places at the different school districts that are dangerous to cut or weed eat, they are going out to bid for a contract. For goats. With goats. That's so cool. Oh, wow. So while I've been familiar with goat yoga, you know, they're talking about <laughs> goats, you know, actually going in and eating this foliage that's yeah. in a dangerous spot for somebody to stand there and sure. try to cut. And so I, I told Avery Kohlers at UofL because oh, he Avery's loves been that advocating yes. for that as well. But yes. yeah, if we've got a contract at JCPS, any of the other partners can piggyback yeah. on it. So, yeah. you know, any of the partners will be able to use it. I keep thinking Avery's going to send me a, a postcard or a holiday greeting card is what I imagine someday with sheep out on the Grawmeyer Oval, right? <laughs> LG&E uses sheep out at their Simpsonville solar farm. For the solar, yes, yes. Because they don't jump. Great things about that. Oh, is that what's about? Goats will jump up on the glass. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, sheep stay on the ground. That's right, that's right. And in Wisconsin, we had goats on the roof sometimes, yes. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That is such a cool thing. I don't, I, I still am doubtful it will ever come to UofL, but that's neat that JCPS is thinking about using animals to manage some of their landscape. Well, and they've looked at uh, wildflowers, mm-hmm. sowing wildflowers that would self-seed for yeah. the next season. And that's another type of no-mo zone yeah. that they could come up with, but it takes a little bit to actually destroy what's there yeah. to put something in new. And then not every place that they'd like to do it has proven to be amenable to having it done. Yeah, Some of it just doesn't fit. Well, what are the environmental education standards? Or I mean, if you go to JCPS, are you guaranteed at all to be exposed to environmental education? Or is it really you just got to have the right teacher and end up with a Lauren Neiman. <laughs> You've really got to have the right teacher That's or the right shame. administrators. Yeah, uh, yeah. At one point, all the schools had an outdoor classroom mm. and some of them went by the wayside because they were perceived as too much to manage. Yeah. And, you know, it's really sad that children don't know more about nature, right. especially if you've got children that are in underserved areas of town. Yeah. Because there are certain children that don't understand that their food used to have a face. Right. <laughs> right. You know, they see Kroger meat. <laughs> And that's what they think of. It's an industrial product. You know, it's just, yeah, it's <laughs> it just, just like there. canned green beans. You know, you get green beans out of cans. They don't grow on plants. So it's trying to get the children to understand it from a younger age yeah. and make good choices about what they like, what they'll try. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I know there's a big need for this, that there's concern about nature deficit disorder, right? And my friend and neighbor, Rebecca Minnick, is the director of the Louisville Nature Center. And, you know, they're a pretty small little nonprofit um, with a pretty cool piece of property and adjacent to a state 
uh, refuge. But all of their educa- environmental education programs are just sold out immediately. Their summer camps like go in less than an hour. Like like, there's such a huge unmet need here for doing environmental ed. My planning and administration hat goes on there as I think of diversity, equity, and inclusion to yeah. make sure that we've got children, you know, of all types, right. that represent a bunch of different thought processes, yeah. a different areas of town. I mean, even generations yeah. of children, you know, from kindergarten up to seniors in high school. Yeah, you've got so many different things that need to be represented, and so many kids that need that environmental education. Right. Yeah, they don't need to be afraid of nature. I know it's so sad when I see it. I see it in you know, on campus sometimes when when I'm out in the campus gardens and people will show up for a garden gathering, right? And then a bug will fly by and they will freak out. And I'm like, "Are you kidding? Come on, it's just a bug." Yeah, I freak out more when I see somebody smoking. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> gosh, that I see a lot less of that than I used to. Man, we are nearing the end of our time. This fly, time is flying by as I thought it would, and we haven't yet talked about one of the sort of, I think, gems of the Partnership for Green Cities programming is your annual awards. You want to tell us about the Joan Ream Awards and who Joan Ream was? Joan Ream was deputy mayor under Mayor Abramson for both the city of Louisville, and then she was the person who was the go-to that made merger happen for oh, Louisville right. and Jefferson yeah. County. And then she was deputy mayor under Mayor Abramson for the second time. She was also the person that was uh, instrumental in making Louisville a part of the partnership for Green City because it was originally just going to be U of L and JCPS. Oh, okay. And she said, "I want to be there." So she and Pamela <laughs> have a lot in common. Uh, yeah. But Joan passed away in 2008 from uh, pancreatic cancer mm. and was just a wonderful woman gone too soon. Yeah. And so we seek to recognize her every year with the Joan Ream Memorial Environmental Leadership Award, which I will tell everybody, Justin is one of our recipients. <laughs> but we seek to find somebody in public service who's really making a difference in sustainability, whether it's their job focus or right. whether it's just something that they, they do, yeah. depending upon, you know, Mike Heyman plants trees. Larry yeah. Owsley really pushed for sustainability sure at U of L. Pamela Turner did the same thing at JCTC. So we've got just a litany. I think we've given 15 awards and we're getting ready to give, I guess, the 15th one here in Earth Day. Oh, really? And I can't say too much about who our recipient is. Of course. (laughs) We did that. And then we also give the Julie Shenton Freed Award. Julie was the environmental educator for Brightside for about 20 years. And Julie also passed from cancer and uh, ovarian cancer. And so wear your purple or wear your teal ribbons for them. But we were able to recognize the first Julie Shenton Freed Award for Sustainable Schools while Julie was still alive. And it was her alma mater, uh, Sacred Heart Academy, who won the first award. Oh, cool. And then the second award was actually Fern Creek. Wow. So we're getting ready to give the third award away as well. And we've got a school that we think is going to be the one. And that shall be around Earth Day as well. Oh, fantastic. But it's nice to recognize people that have really made a difference. Yeah. You you also just did a premier founders award the founders award we actually gave to the three founders and that's what the partnership will be able to give from here on out if the steering committee sees somebody that is really done a body of work that is worthy of you know an award that is a founders award yeah and you also honored two they both retired from L, but I, I, I consider them sort of bedrock sustainability people at L for the 2022 Joan Ream Awards. You want to talk about Margaret Carrero and Russ Barnett? Margaret Carrero was the 2022 recipient, 
And Margaret was a biology professor at UofL and retired a few years back. But she taught ecology and trees, and she did the tree study for the city of Louisville. She was on the tree commission, yeah. and she did everything about eco- ecology on the Partnerships Climate Action Report back in 2009. She oh, wrote nice. the section on the urban tree canopy. Yeah. But she has just been involved, and if it has leaves that either fall off or don't, you know, <laughs> Margaret is just your person that knows everything about it. And she is so well-known. The students that she has worked with are yeah. still so well-prepared. And all of them marveled at her energy and her She's expertise. <laughs> and then there's Russ Barnett. <laughs> and Russ uh, was actually a 2020 recipient, and we did not get to give that because of pandemic at the time. Oh, right. But Russ is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. He knows so much about environmental protection from on the compliance side yeah. as well as the sustainability side because he's worked for state government right he was the commissioner of environmental protection or something under wallace wilkinson as the governor wow. and then he had been at the university running the kentucky institute on the environment and sustainable development for about 25 years before it merged with the Environment institute yeah. and so he's done a lot of air modeling in west louisville right. he used to have a monitoring lab on campus and russ had a body of work that was just phenomenal as well. Yeah. And so two experts in their field. Yeah. Russ, who could also teach as well as what Margaret was teaching, but he taught on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And so we gave them both the Joan Ream Awards back at the end of December. And yeah. it gave Mayor Fisher an opportunity to come out and talk about what sustainability had meant to his administration. Yeah. So they both came out with a $500 award and, yeah. you know, the recognition plaques that were sustainably made and sourced. Yeah. And so no, I was there for that day. It was wonderful. And it was it was a nice sort of send off for, for Mayor Fisher, too, who, you know, people have all kinds of he had a long tenure. Right. He did some great things. He did some things we were not as excited about. But whatever. Like it was nice to shake his hand and congratulate him on, on, on his public service and and to congratulate these amazing uh, award winners and, and to be with Margaret Carrero again. I used to see her all the time on campus and now it's a rare sighting. But because she's busy, she's making presentations out in the community and things like that. In the community, she's been a keynote speaker yeah. in different places. So they they bring her out and around yeah. to talk because yeah. she's that well-known. Exactly. And she's all about protecting nature in your own backyard. Like, we don't need to create some giant park somewhere to protect nature. With the migratory nature of birds, uh, animals, uh, butterflies, pollinators, they're coming to your yard and you can be a way station for them, right? (laughs) And you can protect them by doing certain things or not doing certain things. Exactly. Exactly. So she's an inspiration. I'm so, so glad you got to give her that award and we look forward to what's coming up on earth day does the partnership have social media or something where people can follow along they can follow along on the partnership website at partnership for and we are working right now on we've got a facebook page and it's just partnership for green city but we're working on expanding that because one of our ideas is getting students to really look at ways that they can reach other students yeah. as well as yeah. their parents, grandparents, other people. We had been thinking TikTok, but that's going by the wayside. <laughs> but we're looking at Instagram. Uh, 
the things that the students yeah. use. Yeah, wonderful. All right, everybody, I'll keep you posted here on Sustainability Now about all those upcoming great things with the Partnership for Green City. Uh, thank you, Brent, for taking the time uh, and coming out uh, and joining me here on the radio. It's been so much fun to sit down with you. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, great. All right, stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, I've got your community action calendar. A lot going on right here in the middle of February for you to get engaged in sustainability. So stay tuned, my friends. sustainability now with me justin mogg how fat can a tuesday get happy carnival everybody i hope you are celebrating the abundance that is our culture and this world we live in man we live in a really wonderful place and sustainability now is all about protecting that place and cherishing our cultures and our diversity and reveling in it so yeah celebrate carnival this week and then get ready to take action for sustainability there is so so much going on this week my goodness even on fat tuesday itself we've got a bunch of things coming up it's also kentucky proud csa week throughout february 20th through 24th the Organic Association of Kentucky is teaming up with fellow community partners to connect you with community-supported agriculture, or CSA, programs across the state. They will be sharing all things local, seasonal, and CSA-related in their Facebook group called CSA in Kentucky. So now's the time to join the group and learn more about all the opportunities to subscribe to local farms in advance and get a regular delivery of a fresh share of the local harvest throughout the season, whether it's vegetables, fruit, meat, eggs, herbs, flowers, or other seasonal delights. You can learn more about local food subscriptions, cooking with seasonal ingredients, and how to find produce near you. Join them in their Facebook group, CSA in Kentucky, February 20th through 24th, to receive an exclusive guide to participating farms and shares. And of course, you can always learn more at oak-ky.org. It's also the 13th Annual Human Trafficking Awareness Conference with a focus this year on climate change and migration happening now through Wednesday the 22nd online. You can find the links to join free at louisville.edu slash sustainability. It's the 13th annual Human Trafficking Awareness Conference organized by the UofL Women's Center and the PATH Coalition of Kentucky. 
Uh, and it's virtual. It's hosted on Microsoft Teams by the University of Louisville's Women's Center in partnership with People Against the Trafficking of Humans Coalition of Kentucky. The focus of this year's conference will be climate change and migration. There will be uh, several virtual sessions coming up on Tuesday the 21st at 5 p.m. It's Trafficking Victims and the Immigration System. This session will focus on the intersection between immigration and human trafficking. The presenter will talk about the immigration options available to victims of human trafficking and will explain the legal processes that victims must go through in order to pursue these immigration benefits. The presenter will be Katie Taylor, an immigration attorney with Kentucky Refugee Ministries. That's on Tuesday the 21st at 5 p.m., all online. And then on Wednesday the 22nd, it wraps up at 5 p.m. with a session on nonprofits doing the work. Again, all the information you need is at louisville.edu slash sustainability. Also happening on Fat Tuesday, February 21st at 4 p.m., we're having the University of Louisville's Sustainability Roundtable this week focused on the Ohio River. Three stories with our guest, David Wicks. This is also online, and you don't need to register in advance. Uh, you can find the link to join at louisville.edu slash sustainability. Our guest on the 21st will be Dr. David Wicks, former guest of this program, a retired JCPS environmental education coordinator who for 30 years taught and still teaches at the University of Louisville. He's chair of uh, the Payne Hollow on the Ohio Board, vice chair and founder of the Ohio River Way, and in his role as chair of River City Paddle Sports. He has been a consistent advocate for the restoration of Beargrass Creek. David's presentation will provide an overview of the Ohio River Way, a 275-mile water trail from Portsmouth, Ohio to West Point, Kentucky. We will focus on two individual projects that impact the river and our appreciation of it. Payne Hollow on the Ohio is a new organization whose mission is to sustainably restore, preserve, and protect historic Payne Hollow in Trimble County, Kentucky, the homestead of Harlan and Anna Hubbard. The second project will provide an overview of the MSD and Army Corps of Engineers Beargrass Creek Restoration Project. We will finish with a pitch for Morgan Atkinson's new documentary, Ohio, Life, Death, and the Rebirth of a Beautiful River. No pre-registration is required. You can find the link to join at louisville.edu slash sustainability, and it's on Fat Tuesday the 21st at 4 p.m. online. Now, later in the evening on Fat Tuesday the 21st at 7 p.m., it's Forward Radio's proud community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, having their February program on their annual Kentucky General Assembly update. Uh, it's either in person at 150 State Street or you can join via Zoom online. They'll be welcoming Tom Fitz Fitzgerald, former guest of this program and senior staff attorney for Kentucky Resources Council. We will learn what is happening in Frankfurt this legislative session and what we can do as citizen activists working to build a healthier commonwealth. So you can learn more and register at sierraclub.org slash Kentucky and again, it's Tuesday the 21st, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at 150 State Street or online via Zoom. 
Coming up Thursday, the 23rd, it's the Salt River Watershed Watches 2023 Annual Conference, taking place from 5 to 8 p.m. on Thursday at the South Central Regional Library there at 7300 Jefferson Boulevard, or you can also join online. Everyone is invited to join us for the Salt River Watershed Watch Annual Conference. Salt River Watershed Watch is a nonprofit group of almost 100 volunteers who give their time to improve our streams through a coordinated campaign of water quality monitoring, skills development, water improvement projects, and environmental education. At the annual conference, you can learn more about this work and the health of our region's waterways while meeting like-minded watershed watchers. The schedule, uh, from 5 to 5.30, there'll be opportunities for uh, sampler recertification. Uh, And then 5.30 to 6, there'll be a light meal and networking opportunities. And the main event is from 6 to 8. And if you wish to participate via Zoom, you'll need to register in advance. You can do so by going to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-R-W-W. 2023. That's a Salt River Watershed Watch, bit.ly slash srww2023. More information about this year's annual conference is at srww.org. Also, same time, you're going to have to pick one on Thursday, February 23rd at 5.30 to 8 p.m. It's Gather for the Garden, a fun new fundraising event supporting the Food Literacy Project taking place Thursday evening at West 6th in Nulu. That's at 813 West Market. The Food Literacy Project invites you to gather together to support the growth of youth employment opportunities in the urban ag sector. This new event will offer food by Mayan Cafe, drinks by West 6, a raffle, live music, and exciting Food Literacy Project news. The gathering kicks off at 5.30 and lasts until 8. Tickets will provide entry, food, and one drink. And you won't want to miss this opportunity to gather with farm-minded friends and find out how you can support the work of the Food Literacy Project in 2023. Get your tickets now at foodliteracyproject.org. And here's another thing happening at 5.30 on Thursday the 23rd. I wish you could do it all. But the University of Louisville will be hosting a talk called America Goddamn, Violence, Black Women, and the Struggle for Justice. This is the 2023 Minx Auerbach Lecture in Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies, featuring Dr. Trevia Lindsay, a professor of Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies at The Ohio State University and co-founder of the Black Feminist Night School at Zora's House. She is the author of the 2022 book, America Goddamn violence, black women, and the struggle for justice. You can either attend in person at UofL's Roush Planetarium, or you can stream it live online. You can find all the information about how to do either of those at louisville.edu slash sustainability. This lecture is Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Now, coming up on Friday the 24th, it's the next in the Urban Agriculture Coalition's Winter Orchard Brigade. Uh, The Urban Agriculture Coalition is a proud Ford Radio community partner, and I personally hosted the last Winter Orchard Brigade. We've been moving around to different public orchards around the city to help prune them up during the winter, get them ready for a a healthy growing season. And the next one is coming up Friday the 24th from 2 to 5 p.m. out at the Shawnee People's Garden 536 North 44th Street. You can learn more and sign up to volunteer at foodinneighborhoods.org slash grow. 
Also coming up Friday the 24th at 6 p.m., it's a free screening of a new documentary called A Legacy Lost and Found, Segregation in Recreation. And it is being held at the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage there at 18th and Muhammad Ali from 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday. Join Friends of Cherokee State Historic Park for the Louisville premiere of this new documentary, a film about the history and legacy of Cherokee State Park in far western Kentucky, directed by Dr. Tammy Holmes. The film looks at the history of Cherokee State Park and features testimonies from visitors to the park. Opening in 1951, Cherokee State Park was the only state park for blacks in Kentucky during a time when public accommodations were segregated. During this separate but equal era of Jim Crow, Cherokee State Park was a featured site of reference in the Green Book. The park closed in 64 when segregation was outlawed. The 30-minute film will be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A. The event is free and open to the public, and it is taking place Friday, the 24th, at 6 p.m. at the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage. More information is at friendsofcherokeestatehistoricpark.org slash events. Now, coming up Saturday, the 25th at 10 a.m., it's a winter tree identification walk taking place in Clarksville, Indiana, across the river at 1235 West Kenwood Avenue. You can join the Origin Park team at 10 a.m. on Saturday for a fun and informative winter tree ID walk. Our guest speaker, horticulturalist Renee Frith, will guide you through the winter landscape and let you in on the secrets of how you can identify trees even when they don't have leaves. You'll never see the winter forest quite the same way again. The program is free with donations to Origin Park encouraged. Advanced registration is required and participation is limited to 20. The program starts and ends at the future site of Origin Park's Event Center, 1235 West Kenwood Avenue in Clarksville. And the route will take us along the Greenway with some forays into the woods. Origin Park is a unique urban park set in over 400 acres on the north shore of the Ohio River. This unique park will celebrate and embrace the unpredictable Ohio River and the floods that come from it. You can find the link to register at originpark.org. It's Saturday the 25th at 10 a.m. Well, at the same time, <laughs> February 25th at 10 a.m., if you want to come to another urban park, the Friends of Shelby Park will meet to discuss park project needs and opportunities to help ensure Shelby Park is an extraordinary park for our community. Everyone is welcome. February 25th, that's Saturday at 10 a.m. out at Logan Street Market. Coming up on Sunday, February 26th, it's the final African-American History Film Series event uh, at 1.30 p.m. at the Main Public Library on York Street. And the final film is My Name is Polly Murray, a look at the life and ideas of Polly Murray, a non-binary black lawyer, activist, and poet who influenced both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall. It's free and open to the public Sunday at 1.30 p.m. at the Main Public Library. Also Sunday the 26th at 1 p.m., it's the next in the Beginner Beekeeper Survival School taking place through March 11th. If you're interested in getting started in beekeeping and want to learn the basics from local beekeepers, well, this is the event back for its second year. The Beginner Beekeeper Survival School packages the bare essentials you need to have a successful first year of beekeeping. 
coming up this Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. out at the Bullet Extension office in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. It is Hive Inspections, Annual Schedules, and Basic Management put on by Leonard Davis, a master beekeeper, and that is hosted by the Bullet County Beekeepers Association. You can get more detailed information at registration at eventcreate.com slash e slash beekeeper survival. And finally, I want to remind you that the deadline to apply for the Louisville Sustainability Council's annual grants is coming up on March 1st. These grants support innovative entrepreneurial projects and programs to plan for the impact of climate change on our most vulnerable citizens while supporting community equity and resilience. Uh, the grants are anywhere between $250 and $5,000, and anyone in the Louisville metro area can apply, individuals, institutions, businesses, and nonprofit organizations. You can learn more at Louisville Sustainability Council.org. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great Fat Tuesday. Enjoy Carnival. And I'll be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Wow.